Hello and welcome. I'm delighted you're joining us on Search for Truth. This is your Bible teaching program with Brian Johnston. Brian begins a new series of talks today under the title Daniel Decoded. So obviously it's all about the book of Daniel in the Old Testament of the Bible. Brian brings us fresh teaching and makes it relevant to us today. So if you want to follow up these broadcasts with deeper study, you can revisit these talks at a later time if you send for the transcript booklet. I'll remind you how to obtain it after Brian's talk. But now to Brian, who will introduce us to the first of 12 talks about the book of Daniel and the character of Daniel. And today's talk is called Migrants, an Alien Culture and a Ham Sandwich. Thanks, John. I'll explain about that in a moment. More than four and a half million refugees from Syria are spread across five countries today. But we begin this new series on Daniel with a look at a migrant crisis which dates back two and a half thousand years. Daniel and his compatriots were not merely migrants, they were deportees forced out of their homeland by the then world superpower of the Babylonian Empire. Not the best way to begin to experience international travel, but here's how the Old Testament book known as the book of Daniel opens. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the vessels of the house of God, and he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and he brought the vessels into the treasury of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, the chief of his officials, to bring in some of the sons of Israel, including some of the royal family and of the nobles, youths, in whom there was no defect, who were good-looking, showing intelligence in every branch of wisdom, endowed with understanding and discerning knowledge, and who had ability for serving in the king's court, and he ordered him to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. You know, a lot of people deny that there can be a good God if bad stuff happens to them. But Daniel was in another league altogether. Even although he knew the calamitous changing of his world, we'll find he remained loyal to his beliefs and was even later described as the object of God's desire in the Bible book that goes by his name. It seems we'd be justified in viewing Daniel as an example of the person whose happiness God desires, which is one way of translating the phrase repeatedly used to describe Daniel in the Bible, literally as a man of desirability. What marks Daniel out for such an honourable mention, I wonder? We'll learn to view Daniel as a person of immense integrity, who was capable, by God's help, of withstanding colossal pressure without compromising his principles. The book in the Bible bearing Daniel's name and which tells us his story is a book of two halves. The first half contains some of those wonderful adventures he experienced and which we may have learned about in Sunday school as children. But the second half is a mysterious and difficult section full of wonderful prophetic messages of worldwide and end-time importance. Both sections are equally fascinating, and so let's look forward to unpacking them together. As we've hinted, here we find prophecy birthed in difficult times. In fact, both the Bible books of Daniel and Revelation 
set their prophetic content within a historical context that was very challenging to belief. Both Daniel and John, that's the Apostle John, were exiled for their faith, one in Babylon and the other in Patmos. Each human author of these prophetic books first proved himself trustworthy of the insight which God gave him to share with others, and the content of their respective visions fit together to give a coherent message which is very meaningful for us today, as I hope we'll see. So let's begin by thinking of the hostile environment for faith which Daniel found himself transported into when the Babylonians overran his native land of Israel and city of Jerusalem and transported him far from home. In this way, Daniel was suddenly exposed to radically different thinking compared with all that he had been brought up to know. What's more, he was now immersed in a culture that was intolerant of alternatives. As a young man, Daniel found himself catapulted into a kind of hostile environment which we can increasingly relate to in the modern Western world. Nebuchadnezzar was the most powerful sovereign ever to rule the world, and he was someone who at times exuded the misplaced confidence that God didn't exist. The corridors of power, the entire education system, and whatever mass media existed then were all filled with a kind of thinking that was radically different to that of Daniel and the three close companions who'd been taken alongside him and who also get honourable mention in the pages of the book. There's a lot we can learn from them about engaging with culture but without diluting our principles. It's as if Daniel can be compared to a young student removed from his or her sheltered home environment and no longer accountable to parents or any previous religious teaching and upbringing. Here was a chance for Daniel to break free from all that if he wanted to, or alternatively, an opportunity to swim against the flow and witness to God's truth and bring glory to God's name. It was a world then, like now, which squeezed everything into its mould and didn't tolerate alternative views, just like we face with regards to, say, origin science and sexual ethics. Daniel and the other young nobles who'd been singled out for special treatment were put on a fast-track learning programme to get to grips with the different language and worldview of the Babylonians. Here's what we read in Daniel chapter 1. The king appointed for them a daily ration from the king's choice food, and from the wine which he drank, and appointed that they should be educated three years, at the end of which they were to enter the king's personal service. Now among them, from the sons of Judah, were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Then the commander of the officials assigned new names to them, and to Daniel he assigned the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank, so he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. Now, God granted Daniel favour and compassion in the sight of the commander of the officials, and the commander of the officials said to Daniel, 
I am afraid of my lord the king, who has appointed your food and your drink. For why should he see your faces looking more haggard than the youths who are your own age? Then you would make me forfeit my head to the king. But Daniel said to the overseer, whom the commander of the officials had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days, and let us be given some vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be observed in your presence and the appearance of the youths who are eating the king's choice food, and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for ten days. You see how Daniel nailed his colours to the mast straight away, as we say. In other words, he began as he intended to continue. Here was a man whose native land had been overrun in his youth. Now he was a deportee in a foreign culture and confronting the greatest autocrat ever. Should he go with the flow? After all, what more was there to lose? Why not succumb to situation ethics and do whatever it takes just to survive in desperate times? After all, those who'd previously taught him differently were no longer there to check up on him. But Daniel even rejects a ham sandwich when there was no one to criticise him for eating it. You laugh, meaning you think it was no big deal. Then you're not a Daniel. Now, I know the Bible doesn't specify that it actually was a ham sandwich or even the pork that was forbidden for a Jew to eat. In fact, the issue troubling Daniel could well have been a worry about whether the food he was being offered had previously been part of some pagan idolatrous ritual. But if you'll bear with me, the somewhat light-hearted reference to a ham sandwich helps me to make the point that down to that level of detail, Daniel's beliefs were convictions, not preferences. In the small matter of the ham sandwich, or whatever it was, we're introduced in Daniel chapter 1 to a man of integrity who in the battle for ideas was quite prepared to take on the world. We read then from verse 15 of that first chapter, at the end of ten days, their appearance seemed better and they were fatter than all the youths who had been eating the king's choice food. So the overseer continued to withhold their choice food and the wine they were to drink and kept giving them vegetables. As for these four youths, God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom. Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams. Then at the end of the days which the king had specified for presenting them, the commander of the officials presented them before Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and out of them all, not one was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah, so they entered the king's personal service. And for every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and conjurers who were in all his realm. And Daniel continued until the first year of Cyrus the king. You know, the United Nations has defined a preference as something you believe in which you would be prepared to change your mind about under the pressure of changed circumstances. Whereas they distinguish a conviction as a much stronger belief, one we are not prepared to change 
for anything under any circumstances. We've learned which kind Daniel's beliefs were. But would we say our beliefs are preferences or convictions? And based on the life of Daniel, which kind of belief do you think pleases and honours God? As I said earlier, there's a reminder of what's being said in all the talks in the transcripts book, which is available for this series. Uh, it may prove helpful to you, and uh, I'm sure you'll appreciate the fact as well that it's free. You can also download many of our books and talks via the internet, but the free book for this series is available to you by asking for the title Daniel Decoded. You can order by email or by post, and here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wotton Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY, UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. You might be interested to know that many titles of Search for Truth transcript booklets have been turned into ebooks and are available at amazon.co.uk forward slash Kindle hyphen ebooks. Just type Search for Truth series into the search box and you'll find them. Unfortunately, that's all we have time for. But many thanks for your company today. It's been great to have you with us. And please join us again next week, if you can, for the next talk in this series. But for now, it's very best wishes from Bible teacher Brian, studio technician David, our singers, and me, John. So cheerio, and may God richly bless you. Many mighty men are lost, daring not to stop.